May 28th. Amen? But in thinking of this, I just want us to remember, I shared this last week, but I just want us to know that God has not only saved us from hell, but He's also saved us for heaven. But the question is, what are we going to do in the in-between time? What do we do now? What do we do knowing that we're saved from hell, but we're also saved for heaven? What do we do now? Too many in the church are just content with biding our time and just waiting until we die and then we just go to heaven. And it's over. We have made the living in between time while we know we're not going to hell, we know we're going to heaven, we, in the church, we've kind of changed that. And we've made it selfishness. And we've made it all about us. And we've made it all about our desires. And we've made it all about our wants and our comfort and our convenience. And so we have this in-between time and we have to figure out, well, what do we do with it? As glorious as heaven is, and thank God we get to go there, our mission from the beginning, and especially since Christ's resurrection, but even more since the first day of Pentecost, since the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God desires that His people, His sons and daughters, bring heaven down to earth. You know, I don't know, I guess the enemy has lied to us so much that since we're not going to hell and since we are going to heaven, he, he's like convinced us that, oh, it's okay if you just do nothing. You know, live miserable, do your own thing, do whatever pleases you, knowing you're going to go to heaven. And we've bought into that and we have taken this in-between time that God had a plan and a purpose for us and we've turned it into nothing. And so we need to learn real quickly and I mean like real quickly, the in-between time, the while we wait time that we're in is less about us and more about Him. And it's about the lost and it's about the dying of this world who will not get to know the love of God in Christ Jesus because we have made the gospel about us. We have Reduce God down to our genie bottle. We, we just, we carry Him around and whenever we need Him to pop out, we'll rub the, the genie bottle and hope that He responds. And that's not what He's called us to and that's not who He is. And so while we've reduced God down to our genie bottle, darkness is increasing on the earth and people are dying without hearing and knowing about Jesus and His sacrifice, and His blood, and the new life offered to anyone who would believe. And you have to know that this is true even from the beginning of creation. And I'm not going to pull up the Scriptures, but when God created man in Genesis, they were told to be fruitful and to multiply. And as they were in a perfect paradise, and as their family got larger in number, 
And they were going to outgrow the garden that they were in. Because God didn't give them all the earth. He just gave them a little portion of the earth. But the intention was is that as you expand, as your family enlarges, then you go and you start multiplying. And, and then you start taking dominion. And you start taking rule over the rest of the world outside of your little garden that's paradise. He was looking for a godly influence as they expanded their paradise to the rest of the earth. They were commanded to subdue it and rule over it from a godly, heavenly perspective. And God's mission for mankind hasn't changed. It's still the same today. If you're in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 19. <clears throat> and we hear all of this in the words of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know where we've gotten off track thinking that we can just do nothing until we go to heaven and then we have, and then expect God to be thrilled with our life. And Jesus is saying this in response to the disciples asking him to teach him to pray. So here is Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we read that, but have we ever stopped and paused and thought about it? Well, how is that going to happen? How does his kingdom come? It comes from us giving ourselves to him. How do we... See, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It comes from us giving ourselves to Him and to His will. Not doing our own thing. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we, have, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verses 14 and 15 are not part of the prayer. The prayer ended at verse 13. But then Jesus made the statement in verses 14 and 15 afterwards. <clears throat> and I, I think perhaps Jesus, when he said in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus was thinking about us being able to become complacent. What would happen to us if we decided to uh, become self-centered and we made the gospel about us and we, we made it about hell insurance and that was it. Because it seems to me that 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Part of that evil is, is us who are born again, who have the Spirit of God in us, who have placed our faith in Christ Jesus. Don't do anything that cause us to become like Him. Don't do anything to cause our faith to grow and to mature and to become like Him so that His kingdom can come on earth. His will can come on earth because it's coming through us. Because He's living through us. You see, I believe that as we look at the Lord's Prayer here, that God is placing a demand on us. He's putting a demand on His sons and daughters if we are to see verse 10 come to pass. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And before we go any further, I just want to read this scripture. I, I, I tried to ignore it, tried to put it at the end, tried to put it different place, but I'm putting, putting it here. So I just want to remind you about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And it says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So he's asking a question, don't you know this? And then he says this, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that you are not your own. If you are saved, if you've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus, you are not your own. You've been bought. And therefore, glorify God in your body. And so as we look at the Lord's Prayer, we see the demands that God places on us. It starts with recognizing God as our Father. And giving Him the reverence and the honor and the glory due His name. I wonder how many of us, if we were to actually believe that he was our father, we would do the things that we're doing. Our father, hallowed be your name. Is his name. Does it solicit fear in us? Is there some kind of like concern that we're not pleasing him? Or do we just believe that, okay, he saved me from hell and I'm going to heaven and that's it? Is there any reference associated with who he is? You know, we all have natural parents. You may know them, you may not know them. They may have been good to you, they may not have been good to you. It doesn't matter. Because he's not talking about them. He's talking about himself. Have we come to the place where we understand that we belong to him first? You hear me when I close the worship time and, and even when I pray. It's always Father. Because I want us to get that understanding. He's our Father. He's not just a being. I mean, as awesome as he is and all the things that he can do. But first of all, you know what he is? He's our father. And if we don't recognize that, then we're not going to be able to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not going to happen. 
there's a demand that He's placed on us. That if we're going to see His kingdom come, and if I were to ask you, do you want to see His kingdom come? Probably everybody's hand would be raised. But then my question is, do you understand Him? Do you recognize Him? Do you walk as if He is your Father? Or is He just somebody that makes you do a lot of things that you wish you didn't have to do? And then after we recognize Him as Father, it continues with a daily dependence upon Him as our daily bread, which represents His presence, His Word in our lives on a daily basis, leading us and guiding us. You know, we have no problem with God leading and guiding us as long as He takes us to where we want to go. But God forbid He ask us to do something that we don't want to do, that we don't think we have the time to do, that we're inconvenienced by Him, or is out of our comfort zone, then we turn Him off. We say, well, that must not be God. Oh, really? How do you know? There's a daily dependence that we have to have, a daily dependence on His Word and on the Holy Spirit and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And then I believe that there's a demand that continues by us examining our hearts on a daily basis. And how do we examine our hearts on a daily basis to allow His kingdom to come? His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we live forgiving anyone whom we must forgive. Not giving the enemy a foothold in our lives by holding on to unforgiveness which deteriorates to bitterness in our hearts. Because in verse 12, this is a demand that He has placed on us. He says, and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So this is, if we're going to see His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that means that we have to forgive others. And others means anybody that you have to forgive. And towards the end, I'm going to give you two, two things, two people that you can forgive. 